Big game this week, San Francisco 49ers and the Miami Dolphins. But what about the origins of Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan? How important will this game be to the coaching staffs, the players that are so familiar with each other? Uh, we've got some notes on usage. Since Christian McCaffrey came to town, how down has Debo Samuel's usage been? Uh, Tom Brady potentially going back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or to, back to the New England Patriots. Could that mean Mac Jones could be on the move? From the Patriots. Could we see an interesting quarterback competition <laughs> potentially in the future with the San Francisco 49ers? Uh, but mostly we're talking week 13, Niners, Dolphins, big game, maybe game of the year coming up right now. You are locked on 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker with you at DD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks for making us your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season. More props, more odds, more lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And by the way, thanks for making us your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Croc. Taking a look at this game, um, I have said this week that it's not the most important game because of what is on the schedule, what it means for seeding and stuff. Clearly, it's a good measuring stick game. It's a barometer game. Where do the 49ers fit in? How good is that Dolphins offense? How good is that 49ers defense? Those types of things. But when you break it down to the individuals involved that will be on the field, that will be on the sideline, Croc, this game might matter quite a bit to some of those guys, right? Is this like, is this their Super Bowl in a way where you have the the, the teacher that wants to become, or the, the student that wants to become the master in Mike McDaniel? Some of these players that have they've chirped a little bit back and forth throughout the week, wanting to show the guys that are in the other town who's got better right now. Uh, I, I think it might matter a lot more to the players on the field, the coaches that are involved than it does to the standings in 2022. Yeah, definitely the, the the coaches. That's the most interesting dynamic because those guys are probably close like brothers, right? It's someone you've been coaching with, you know, up until this year, since 2006, you got to be close. You got to be tight. They've been together every step of the way. And I think the chess match between those two guys, knowing each other so well, and I kind of compare it to, you know, my marriage, right? Like me and my wife, we've been together almost 10 years now. And we know how each other thinks. We know each other's strengths, weaknesses, what annoys each other, you know? I, I can finish her sentences a lot of times. When you're just so close to someone and you talk to them about everything, you just know everything about them and how they work, how they tick. And these two guys here have been around each other more than they've been around their own families, right? We're talking about long work days, going in at 7 a.m., maybe not even leaving or, you know, staying the night at the facility because they're working on different things. And they've done that for, what, 15 16 years? Well, since 2006. So yeah. that is a long time. They know each other inside and out. I think the chess match between those guys and probably that competitive nature between the two, because I'm sure that's there as well, that's probably the biggest thing I'm watching for in this game. Dude, if you take sleeping out of the equation, there's a chance that Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel spent more time with each other than anybody in the world, than their own family. Well, yeah. Right? No, because I, the hours 100%. 100%. I mean, just... For six months out the year, seven months out the year, 
they are with each other more than their families, like just way more hours. And even then, come the off season, a lot of times coaches are taken away from their family by just watching film, you know, prepping for the draft, whatever it is. Those guys know each other better than anyone in the world. I mean, it's it's truly uh, intriguing when you think about it from that standpoint. I hope they're mic'd up. And Mike McDaniel is just really good when he's mic'd up anyway. I've seen a lot of that this year. But just with that relationship, and I want to see that moment when one of the coaches calls something maybe or there's something that happens in the game where one of the coaches looks across the field of the other dude like, what was that? You know, like that that sort of like, oh, dude, okay, I see. You know, something that only they know. And like, yeah, you're right, finishing each other's sentences, knowing what pisses the other person off. Like, that's a big one, right? Knowing how to get under their skin if you want to. So, um, and it's been, yeah, you mentioned it off the air. It's crazy how long these two guys have been together. And it was actually Mike Shanahan who gave Mike McDaniel his shot back as an intern. Like, uh, Mike McDaniel was like, hanging out at the facility trying to get into football, right? And um, what was it? Was, did he start out as a ball boy? Or what was his, like, his first job with, in, with the Broncos, right, back in 2005 with Mike Shanahan? Let's see. I, I didn't so, read it. That would, at first, Kyle would have been in Houston with the Texans I, at that time. So I believe Kyle was maybe with Houston, but they they were in Houston together in 2006. All right, but uh, let's see. McDaniel was hired in 2005 at the age of 22 in his hometown, Denver Broncos. So he was, uh, uh, you know, a, a local resident there as a coaching intern under Mike Shanahan. The Broncos finished. Uh, the Broncos in 2005 finished with what was their best record since John Elway. Uh, but it, it doesn't say exactly what he did until he got to Houston in 2006, where he was hired as an offensive assistant under Coach uh, Gary Kubiak. And that, of course, was with uh, Kyle Shanahan, mm -hmm. who would be, uh, I think, a receiver coach at that time. Mm -hmm. he now, he did leave at one point. So there is a brief little break there. Well, there 2009, he coached California Redwoods and Sacramento Mountain Lions. So he was over in the UFL in 2009. Yeah, so there, there's that. Um, that was when he had a little bit of a, an alcohol problem, and he's talked about that, right? There, there was a story about how you know he was. I think the lifestyle of it. We talked about the hours they're putting in. I think there's a certain lifestyle. We've seen coaches that like have some problems like this, have issues like this, and some off the field stuff, and just you know the the pressure that's on you and the hours you're putting in, and it's bros, it's bros all the time, right? And um, he developed a, a problem, and he he got it fixed, and he came back in the league, and he's made really good on that since then. And, uh, you know, the Shanahan's gave him a shot again. He came back and they coached with the uh, Washington together and he's on that staff with, with everybody. Right. Was was he in? Yeah. yeah he had to be on Washington, right. With McVay and uh, LaFleur and all those guys. I mean, that's, that's insane that they've been together this long. He, he, he was in Washington 2011. And I mean, he's coached with Kyle ever since, even in Cleveland, McDaniel was hired uh, to be the receiver coach there. So, and obviously Kyle was the office coordinator Kyle was only there for a year. He left to Atlanta, as did McDaniel, who was hired as an offensive assistant uh, in Atlanta. So, I mean, they, you, they've been. Who do you think has an advantage? If you're just talking, okay, just from the coaches knowing each other, to, to me it feels like McDaniel would have the advantage of knowing more about how Kyle runs his team and all the personnel than Kyle would have knowing what Mike McDaniel is going to do just based off of a half a season's worth of film, but I'm sure he knows some things that maybe I'm sure they, you know, I'm sure there was butting heads behind the scenes at times. I'm sure there was things where like, man, 
uh, I would like to do this. And Kyle knows it, but no, Kyle like wants to do things this way. And um, I, I would, I would think though, that it would be easier for McDaniels to know more about the way Kyle Shanahan's running things than Kyle Shanahan about what Mike McDaniels is going to do. But then there's the aspect of Kyle Shanahan, you know, when, when you are the guy in charge and the Shanahan's have taught, I'm sure Mike McDaniels, Daniel so much like I've taught you everything you know but I haven't taught you everything I know so I wonder how much extra like Kyle's got for for Mike that, that might surprise him too so I can't wait for that stuff I, I don't know how much you can hide from someone when you're with someone for that many years like it's going to be hard it's just because natural conversations right like that's like you saying you know what Croc I don't teach you everything that I know when it comes to podcasting things like that you know when I have questions or whatever you you answer it you know we talk about it it would be hard to to I, I got a, I got a whole list of things that I can't, I can't let you know <laughs> but it would be hard right and I look at it like me and my brother you know, when you are close like that, you just have conversations. So it's not even about keeping something from someone. You you talk to them about your thoughts and different things. And the way guys get better, it bouncing things off of each other. And, well, what do you think this? Okay, do you think this might work? And those conversations 100% have happened. And we've heard about the, in, the input that uh, McDaniel has had for Kyle Shanahan. As far as who might have the advantage, I would say by default, McDaniel, just because this is the first time that he's actually running the show. So when you run the show, there just might be one, there's this level of unknown with how you're going to do certain things. Even if I have an idea of things that you like to do or whatever, but you know, not just that you got these different type of guys that we just don't have. Now, again, there still could be the conversation of, well, you know, years ago, they could be like, man, if I had Tyreek Hill and I had a guy like Jalen Waddle, I would do X, Y, Z. And he'd be like, yeah, man, I wish I could do that. But you know, Debo's not that type of receiver. And you know, so, now he has them and he could be going back to those conversations, you know, Kyle, and be like, well, I remember when we had those conversations about liking this type of receiver or maybe like a Henry Ruggs, right? Let's say Henry Ruggs. Let's say they liked Henry Ruggs in the draft process. They yeah. were evaluating him and they knew all, you know, his pros and cons and they had their thoughts on, hey, this is how we would use him. And they, know, and they had those conversations. Kyle's probably going back to that and thinking like, okay, mm. I know these oh, are Mike I've seen loved him do Ruggs. this. I like, and these are, you know, so yeah, there's still going to be a certain level of unknown, you know. So I think you just by default have to give the edge to McDaniel, but they know each other so well. Um, that more than anything else is a storyline that I'll be watching for in this game. More locked on 49ers coming up. Uh, I want to talk about the usage of Debo Samuel because we've got some data here that backs up kind of what we've seen on the field and what we've seen from the usage of Debo since Christian McCaffrey showed up. We don't have enough information on the, the injury report quite yet as we record here. Don't have practice information for Thursday and Friday yet. So um, I don't want to talk a lot about injuries today, but there is a lot of monitoring going on with guys, and hopefully Christian McCaffrey's at full speed, and hopefully the 49ers can get Eric Armstead back. And then another little story that I think is just fun to talk about here when it comes to the 49ers and what we went through in the 2021 draft. Could we see a quarterback competition at some point with Mac Jones and Trey Lance next? Today's episode of... Locked on 49ers is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. It is the easiest thing you can do and is one of the funnest things you can do all throughout the week, every single day. It's daily fantasy and 
How easy is it? Well, entries can be made in less than 60 seconds. You only pick two to five players. You're not building an entire team. You're not playing against a bunch of people. You are just playing against those projections available at prize picks. You pick two to five players. If they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on that entry. That's how easy it is. You're not competing against sharks and fantasy folks in this big pool of people. Only projections on the NFL, NBA, baseball when it comes back, NHL. PGA golf, we're talking about college football, basketball, NASCAR, tennis, boxing, MMA, cricket, you name it, esports, you can find projections every single day at prizepicks.com. And prizepicks currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. And when you download the prizepicks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports, first time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, prize picks will give you $100 more to play with. If you deposit $50, prize picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Thanks again, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Got some data here from Dwayne McFarlane Croc. He is an analyst at Pro Football Focus now. Uh, We've talked to him before on the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. He's a really smart guy, and he's all about the usage. He's all about... uh, He's a a fantasy guy first, but it's really important data, um, I think, beyond fantasy as well. And... Uh, we called him master of the usage verse because he's he's all about the usage when you're figuring out who's going to be valuable in upcoming games, in upcoming seasons because of how much they're used and their opportunity for scoring fantasy points. And right now, Debo's usage is down. And we've seen that on the field and kind of felt that when Christian McCaffrey came aboard. Uh, this is what Dwayne had to say about the exact numbers here with the usage. Uh, the addition of Christian McCaffrey has been traumatizing to Debo Samuel's opportunities. And again, this is about fantasy football. It hasn't been traumatizing the 49ers. They're doing well. They're winning games. And, and Debo still made some big plays. Debo Samuel's target share before Christian McCaffrey. Uh, so his target share in the 49ers offense, he was getting 23% of the target share, 24%. This is each game. 23%, 24%, 29%, 29%, 30%, 25%. So somewhere 25% or so, just about every single game, more or less, even up to 30% of the target share in the 49ers offense. Then once the 49ers traded for Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel's target share went down to 14%, then 17% the next week, then Mexico city 32%. So that was the only one that's been back on par or even higher than where he was before. Then last week, again, 14%. So almost cut his usage in half in all but one week since Christian McCaffrey has joined the San Francisco 49ers. And uh, he goes on to say, this is not a Brandon Ayuk taking away from Debo Samuel thing. It's mostly about uh, Christian McCaffrey, who is, you know, battling in that same depth of target area that Debo Samuel operates in the short passing game. And so Debo's usage is actually, or uh, Ayuk's usage has actually stayed the same. So it's clearly Christian McCaffrey taken away from Debo Samuel's usage. My first question, Croc, to you about this is it's not super surprising because we saw it and they do operate similarly and they can both carry the ball and both run the ball. Um, does it take away from the value of adding Christian McCaffrey if you're taking away usage from Debo Samuel at the same time? 
I think it takes away from the fact that next year you'll be paying those guys like $30 million uh, between the two guys for the yeah. same person, essentially. Right. You know, so it's like, well, if we have one guy, it takes away from this guy. But if we have this guy, it takes away from that guy. But ultimately, like you're paying these guys $30 million to kind of offset each other. And again, this isn't rushing utilization because Debo's, you know, had some carries too. So his, you know, he's been a bigger part of the offense, but he was, you know, I, I, and I don't have the exact rushing because it's only receiving utilization numbers here, but I don't think he's carried the ball more since Christian McCaffrey either. So that's probably about the same or, or maybe even less too. Um, by the way, so on the same token, since Christian McCaffrey has joined the 49ers and uh, Debo did miss one of those games, the pre-buy week eight game, Debo didn't play at all. So Christian McCaffrey has one more game than Debo in that span. Uh, here is the, the target receiving share for Christian McCaffrey during those games. Week seven, first game, he was only 18%. Week eight, without Debo, Christian McCaffrey, 45%. And that was the Rams game. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong category. Um, that is, uh, that's routes run. So, I'm, okay, targets, sorry. Uh, it was only 5% in the first week when uh, the, the first game that, you know, Christian McCaffrey's only here for a couple days and he jumped in. He got 5% of the target share uh, in that week seven game. Week eight with Debo out, it was 36% of the target share. Then the last three weeks, it's been 21%, 25%, 17%. So higher target share than Debo's. And Samuel. that's in the passing game, right? That's, that's not passing game only, not counting rushing. Yeah, not counting carries. So very interesting. And um, so does that go to when people say, oh, there's not enough balls to go around for everyone? But I was like, well, there hasn't been a change in my usage, even though his volume wasn't great. But, you know, Ayuk has had several games where, he's, you know, he's playing well. And he's like, well, there's no there's no change in anything I'm doing. There's only a change in Debo, what you're doing. And Debo's probably looking like, y'all just paid me $20 million a year. <laughs> yeah, actually. So here's the, um, here's the Ayuk target share in the week. Tight. Ayuk's target share kind of go, go went up and down anyway, but here's here's Brandon Ayuk's target share for the whole season starting week one. Week one, 12%. Week two, 33%. Week three, 29%. Then down again for a couple of weeks, 17%, 15% in four, weeks four and five. Then week six, 28% target share. Week seven, uh, which is when we started looking at um, Christian McCaffrey on the team. Uh, week seven, 23%. Week eight, 24%. Week 10, 29%. Down in week 11, 14%. He only had the two catches, but they were both touchdowns in uh, in Mexico City. Then in week 12, back up to 23%. So pretty much uh, you know, similar consistency pre and post Christian McCaffrey. Now, what impact do you think some of this has on just uh, one guy taking away? We know they're taking away targets, right? But yeah. is it because, well, this guy's on the field, so he's opening it up for this guy. Oh, we got a factor for Debo, so we're going to key on Debo, and we're just going to let Christian McCaffrey catch all these passes. Like, do you think that's what's going on? Or I just think that they have to throw more, and we saw that in we've seen it the last couple of weeks. They, the Niners threw a lot in the first half, even though they didn't put up a ton of points on the board uh, against the Saints, and they threw a lot for points with um, in the Mexico City game. And the Mexico City game that was Debo's biggest usage in the target share and that was one of the 49ers best games on offense. So to me, I think if you really want to make use of all these players and have, have the best offense, you've got to throw the ball a lot. And we have seen the 49ers throw more and maybe that's what they're learning is like look, having 
Christian McCaffrey in and then taken away from using Debo, that doesn't help us as much. We actually have to throw more. And, and so I think that's what we're seeing. And now that Elijah Mitchell's out, I wonder if the 49ers are going to throw a lot again this week against the Dolphins. And the Dolphins, coincidentally, have thrown a lot more Mike McDaniel has than Kyle Shanahan had in the past. I hope that the listeners find this as intriguing as I do, because this is fascinating <laughs> to, to me. Yeah. Oh, no. So just to hear from that different perspective. And then, you see, like you said, with Mike McDaniel and the rate that the Miami Dolphins are throwing the ball, which mm-hmm. I think prior to this season, we would say that, Tua was left-handed Jimmy Garoppolo, like right? That was what people were saying. But you give him these different type of weapons that he's just looking to get the ball in their hands. And now all of a sudden, it's like, well, is he an MVP candidate, right? You know, people are looking at him kind of in that light and throwing the ball more. And I, I would, I'm curious to know if there's been any drop-off in attempts since Jeff Wilson has started playing there because, I mean, they, they've been definitely hammering the ball more and when looking at at least box score, doing a little box score scouting. Yeah. The, he's getting his touches, and Moster's been getting touches as well. They're, they're utilizing multiple backs. It does I, – I haven't I haven't been diving deep into those numbers, but I'm pretty sure they have actually done the opposite and started running the ball more often. I don't know if it's – by a lot, but they definitely yeah. – it feels like they have versus early in the season when they were throwing the ball a lot more. Interesting stuff there, and uh, it's not that it's wrong or bad, or it's just – it's because you're winning. You don't, you don't want to not get the ball in Debo's hands. Like, like that's you, you're, you should never want that. So how do you continue to get the ball in Debo's hands and also still utilize this new weapon that you have in Christian McCaffrey? Um, Brandon, Ayuk, I think we saw him start to drop in targets, but then his targets have been like kind of more open, you know, He's going to get one-on-ones. And so those are like, those are the big hitters, right? So it's like, okay, we're going to go Haymaker, Ayuk, but you're not going to get as often the ball. But these are touchdown passes we're throwing to Ayuk. You know what I mean? Do, so you, I, do you think that team's double Debo Samuel? And when he's out for route, like I know there's a tension when you see him kind of swing out in the, of the backfield or whatever, but he's just lined up at receiver. Are they doubling him? No, what I see and I, I haven't gone back and watched enough of the coaches tape the last couple of weeks um, because I haven't had time, but this is what I see when I'm watching the 49ers play is that whoever's in the backfield gets the most attention. And I think that opens things up for those receivers to almost always be singled up. And we've seen plays where Christian McCaffrey's in the backfield, the defense flows this way and it actually opens it up for Debo to make it catch a slant or, you know, for Kittle or Brandon Ayuk. Like Brandon Ayuk is a really good player, but if you're an opposing defensive coordinator, you're not going to be doubling Brandon Ayuk with all those other guys, right? And you're not definitely going to want to stay close to the line of scrimmage, try to stop the run, force Jimmy Garoppolo to go outside the numbers down the field on you. So, uh, and I think that's what we saw last week with the Saints is they're like, well, we're going to try to stop the run. We're going to follow whoever's in the backfield. When Debo's in the backfield, I think that opens things up for other players too. And and that's what we'd seen pre-Christian McCaffrey is teams would just follow Debo. Not so much double covering him in the passing game, but like if he's in motion, we're going to slide that way. You know, we're, we're going to pay extra attention there because he's the guy that can hurt us the most. And, and they definitely put more attention to the middle of the field. I, yes. Looking at the all 22 uh, coaches film, you see them actually putting a safety right there in the middle of the oh, field yeah. and, and like to rob any crosser. <laughs> teams aren't even shy about it anymore. They're like, we're going to try to jump in front of these in-cutting 
routes. Like we're trying to pick off Jimmy and, and jump in front of these things. You know, like, I was curious and, to see when they were going to just blatantly do it because yeah. that, I mean that would have been my go to. I mean for years now, like you see where oh, yeah. they want to win when they have Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. Like why aren't you just sitting on that and make them beat you a different way, right? Like yeah. they, like when I was coaching high school football, let's say I coached against I don't know Central Catholic, and they run the triple option veer, whatever you call that offense, wishbone stuff or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they have a receiver out there. But it's like, dude, they're running the ball. So I told my corners, say, look, line them inside, eyes inside in the backfield. And as soon as you see that ball hands off, you trigger. Like, don't even worry about getting in our stance, looking at the receiver, reading this. Like, unless they beat us on the throw, like, if they beat us on the throw, then we'll adjust. But this is what they do 98% of the time. So let's focus on that and let's make them beat us a different way. That would be my approach to the 49ers offense. Like make Jimmy beat us over the top, like let make him just throw heavy. a straight go yeah. route. Yeah, and that's it's smart. And so the 49ers have to 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 beat that. Um, I think Christian McCaffrey's showing up has helped because it's it's spread things a little bit more laterally. I think not no some not so much down the field. Um, there's more guys to pay attention to. You can't key on one player now. Yes, we kind of just key more on the, on an area of the field. I think, but, but teams are still, you know, judging by what we saw with the saints and the saints did a good job against the 49ers is you're trying to stop the run before anything else. When you play Kyle Shanahan's football teams and when you usually, when you pay attention to the run game that much, you have a lot of guys closer to the line of scrimmage, which means you are going to be in that area anyway. So the 49ers do have to find a way to continue. And that's why I love so much seeing that touchdown pass to George Kittle in Mexico City, Buda Baker's trying to jump that dig route, and he breaks it off, and you, you get a touchdown. You get a big play. The 49ers are going to have to do that. If they really want to gouge teams and hurt teams, they're going to have to be able to do things like that. Right. We have to move on. Uh, I'm going to move on to another story. We do have a listener that says he knows why the 49ers running backs are getting injured at a higher rate than we should expect. And then this story about Tom Brady back to New England is interesting and in how it potentially could impact the 49ers next this episode brought to you by audible audible is releasing a slate of new football podcasts that we're sure you're gonna love find think like a champion now wherever you get your podcast think like a champion is a brand new podcast from russell wilson and audible russ is a champion on the field not so much this year but uh off of it we rarely know the grind on the path to greatness it's more than just doing uh leg exercises on your flight to uh, overseas. Uh, Russell Wilson alongside co-host Harry Wilson and Trevor Moad, I believe how you pronounce his name, Moad, uh, digs into how high-performance athletes, artists, and leaders push the boundaries of their potential. Here are two Super Bowl champion and MVP caliber players like Von Miller deliver sharp insights about performing at your highest level in moments of extreme pressure or NCAA champion Tim Tebow discuss how to find your unique personal mission in the world. How about that? A Tim Tebow, Russell Wilson conversation. How, how interesting would that one be? Get over to uh, Locked On Presents for a sneak preview of Think Like a Champion or catch the full series available anywhere you get your podcasts available everywhere. Now, Audible, get in the game. How about this story, Croc? Uh, we got a story here, Croc, about am I not showing up? on the screen for you in uh in the on the youtube section of this thing yeah i don't see you i just disappeared i don't know why uh yeah. 
we don't need we don't need to see my oh, face. We just need to hear you. We're good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, how about this one? This story from the Athletic about uh, about Tom Brady and where he could be next year. And I know some 49ers fans have thrown it out there. Oh, maybe Tom Brady's that veteran quarterback that we should pair with Trey Lance after Jimmy Garoppolo moves on in free agency next year. And hey, maybe Jimmy G to the Patriots could be a thing too uh, in all of this. So, doubtful. And I think a lot of this is very doubtful. But um, in an article from The Athletic, Tom Brady, a pending free agent, could return to the Patriots next season in that scenario, Mac Jones could potentially be traded because the, the Patriots do have rookie Bailey Zappi that they like that could be the backup player. What do you think? We know Kyle Shanahan loved Mac Jones in the draft process. He liked Trey Lance better. But could we see a Mac Jones versus Trey Lance quarterback competition maybe as early as next year? And those two players would not count a ton versus the cap. So it'd be, it would be, it would not be more expensive as far as dollars. Now you'd have to trade for Mac Jones, but it would not be more. And I don't think that would cost that much. Um, you would not have to spend a lot of money like you would maybe a veteran quarterback if, say, you wanted to bring back Jimmy Garoppolo or whatever. And, and could could the fan base even handle that? Because look, the Mac Jones versus Trey Lance stuff, and you know the Justin Fields stuff, and everything that started happening the month leading up to the draft after the 49ers traded up, that stuff's never going to go away. Those players are always going to be compared. Like me and you on the show are always going to compare those guys, 49ers fans. That will be in their minds ingrained forever. And we may not know for another decade until you can really stamp a win or a loss for anybody in that scenario. But knowing that it came down to those two quarterbacks, that the 49ers were willing to draft Mac Jones number three, could we see a Mac Jones versus Trey Lance quarterback competition? And could we even, could the fan base even handle that at this point? I'll answer that last question first. No, the, the 49ers fan base could not handle it, which is actually good for business, right? I mean, we saw uptick in uh, listens uh, during that time. So it was so controversial. Everybody wanted to listen in on just different opinions on that whole thing. As far as you know, it happening, I feel like the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan, as long as you and I have been either talking or you know on this podcast together, they have done things that I have felt, and you as well, have been a little bit more unconventional at times. Things that maybe I wouldn't do it a certain way, but they would. And the way that they've done things has led to a certain level of success. So I wouldn't knock or say I know more than, than them. I will say because of that, and they've done things a different way, I would not trade for Mac Jones, but I clearly can see a scenario where Kyle just says, we're doing it. And if he decides in his head that that's what he wants to do because he liked him so much and maybe he's seen some of those things this year. Now, I've seen a lot of watching Mac Jones, right? I've watched a lot of Mac Jones. I think he's done enough weird things to tell me that I'm, I w- I'm more willing to, you know, see what, you know, Trey Lance truly will be and just give him this next year, right? But uh, Kyle, he just thinks different. Sometimes, again, a little bit more unconventional. So I wouldn't be shocked or surprised at all if they did do it. And, and we know that Kyle Shanahan's, just with all the, the pre-draft stuff from 2021 on, and all the Jimmy G stuff this offseason, Kyle Shanahan's not afraid of what the reports will be, what how much the fan base freaks out about stuff, right? If he thinks it's the right move, he'll do it. And um, from, a, from a, a stories being written about the scenario perspective, 
it, it would seem like a disaster. But if Kyle <laughs> yeah. Shanahan thinks right, like from, from Kyle Shanahan, like kind of doesn't care about that chaos. And, and I, I guess he's removed himself enough from the social media stuff that he doesn't really think about it. And it, I don't know if he's oblivious to it or just doesn't care. Um, but man, think, think about this past offseason and bringing back Jimmy Garoppolo but, and what it did. Now, obviously, clearly <laughs> the right choice yeah, in doing and, so, but just having Jimmy on the on the roster, the the conversation that surrounded that topic throughout the offseason, uh, the talking heads and what they were saying and how it was a story every single day. Uh, Colin Cowherd, you know, his narratives that he's pushed throughout this time. I mean, we've heard all these different things that were surrounding just that decision to say, uh, you know what, we yeah, we're trying to trade him, but we can keep him. And for him, he did not care at all. But everyone else, I mean, it was almost talked about ad nauseum. And clearly, you know, we host a podcast, so we have to talk about it as well. We have to talk yeah. about what other people are talking talk about and give our opinions on it. But Kyle clearly did not care. So I agree with you on that. And he would, I wonder, Kyle almost might feel emboldened to make a crazy move like that too, because he's like, well, look, look what you guys said about this other thing. And that worked out, especially the 49ers go, you know, win a Super Bowl or something this year. Like, look how that worked out. And you guys thought that was weird. So I'm going to do this other thing you think is weird. (laughs) How, how far can his weirdness go? (laughs) There's no limits. I don't think there's any bounds. (laughs) I don't think so. Yeah. He does his he does his own thing. Kyle Shanahan's not worried about it, uh, clearly, as we've seen. But no, that scenario is it's not going to happen. So uh, it's so I don't want to say it's not going to happen because I think it, it could happen, but it, it's very very unlikely. Mostly because if it was this offseason, Niners don't have a first round pick or a second round pick or a third round pick, and with all right. the things they might need, they're going to trade a future high pick. Probably like it would probably cost at least uh a next year's second, you know, I'm guessing. And I'm sure the Patriots would be like, oh, we want a first round pick for, for Mac Jones. I don't know if they would get that, but there's some, there's gonna be some QB needy teams. Um, there might be some teams that really liked them before the draft. There might be some new coaches, new scenarios where they're like, oh, I'd rather just spend this for Mac Jones than go into the draft and, and take an unknown quarterback, CJ Stroud or whatever. Uh, or maybe those quarterbacks don't even fall to the, the teams that want them. So there might be a market for it. A future second, at least, you know, the 49ers in a place where they can be spending more draft picks on players that they don't even know if they're going to get that much contribution from them. The the issue with that is because, like you said, you know more about what you're getting from Mac Jones than you would a CJ Stroud, Bryce Young or any of those other quarterbacks that might be in that class. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's what was the thing coming out of college where where it was like you kind of you know what Mac Jones is and what he isn't. Right. And. I think he's lived up to that, both good and bad. Because there still is, and when you watch the games, it's like, man, he can, you know, he could do this well, he does that well, and he'll have a game where it's like, oh, it looks like a lot like Kirk Cousins, and he has a lot of other games where it just looks like you're waiting for that, like that thing that he can do that other people can't, and you never see that. Someone in in, in the chat the other day, someone had asked a question and. And they, they asked about, it was Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. And they were like, what can Jimmy do that Trey Lance can't? And then answer that vice versa. And when you watch Trey Lance play, obviously you could say, well, Jimmy's more consistent at certain things. But then you also could say, but does that mean that Trey Lance can't do it? As opposed to what Trey Lance does that Jimmy doesn't give you. 
and I think there's a there's a big difference there, right? Uh, with some of the throws, like this, that, like the layer throws. Some of the throws we saw week one in the rain, like layer throws over three defenders in the guy where Jimmy's like, ah, maybe I can make that, but I'm just not even gonna attempt that type of throw. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or some of the things he could do with the, with his legs and 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 run. Again, you want to build more consistency, but and I think you you could say the same thing kind of about uh, Matt Jones. Whereas, like, you know, if you're looking at it from, you know, the Trey Lance, thing, the, the, the only thing is you just know more about what you're getting from uh, Mac as opposed to Lance. So, I don't know. There's just that certain level of upside that's still there and still haven't seen Lance enough to just know exactly what he is or what he isn't. It's enough for me to just be like, I would not go yeah. the Mac Jones route. Oh, no, I, I would not at all. If we're in agreement there, Croc. Would Kyle? is the question. Uh, Kyle Wood. <laughs> uh, big game this weekend. I'm pumped for it. Croc and I will be back after Dolphins 49ers to break it all down as we always do. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen. Make sure you check out the Peacock and Williams in the NFL show, Locked on NFL Draft, Locked on Sports Today, everything the network has to offer. Croc and I will be back post-game right here, Locked on 49ers.